0: Amen. 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 Shall we bow? Father God, we are just thankful for your, your grace, mercy, your love, providence, protection, your patience, and long suffering with us. Father, we know we are difficult. self-willed, often disobedient. You decided to save us anyway. Father, help us to walk in newness of life based upon your giftedness upon us, your mercy upon us. Thank you for this opportunity to be able to collectively assemble as your house, as your people, as your kingdom, your servants, your army on earth, your royal priesthood. Mm. Father, be with the word that will be proclaimed, that all that is said and done will bring you glory edify each and every one of us but again glorify you forgive us of our repentant sins please be with each and every person that is that is hurting and each and every person that is dealing with pain at this time and allow our hearts to be open to your healing father we ask this in the great name of your son jesus amen Always good to see everyone uh, in the house of God and to those that are visiting with us. We want you to know that you are uh, our honored guests and we deeply appreciate uh, having you in our midst during during this particular uh, time. And for those that are visiting, if there's anything that we can do to help your spiritual stay with us be that much more fulfilling and rewarding, uh, please do not hesitate to let us know. Uh, what those things, what they are. I appreciate Brother Jackson and everybody that worked with him to make the uh, fam bam and picnic yesterday a success. Uh, Just so very thankful to that. And I think we have to get back to a point to where we start doing more more fellowship activities in person. Uh, So we, we need to just figure out how we can convene uh, more, we definitely want to make sure we are in the house of God for for worship and things of that nature. But we also want to be able to fellowship uh, with each other in less in less formal ways, just the kingdom of, of God being with the kingdom uh, of God. Also, I appreciate everyone that made the ministry summit uh, possible as well as a success. And so, we just again extend a deep a deep thanks and a deep level of gratitude. Uh, for the ministry summit uh, that we just experienced. Ezekiel chapter 22. Ezekiel chapter 22. Appreciate uh, everyone that has conducted service thus far. Um, You know, we do what we do on Zoom and we're pulling from Songs from different places, Biblos, we have to record in house so we can play our own stuff so whether y'all catch something and do it to Facebook live or whatever it is, I mean send the footage so that we can start using that in our own our own capacity, because believe it or not, if we 're on zoom. Uh, you know, and we're we're hearing melodious songs of Zion. We will be more connected if it's your voices than some other voices, right? So again, the the more intimate, uh, the process and experience, and all of you sound so so great uh, this morning uh, as well. Just checking the time. All right, appreciate Zion for the reading reading of our of our text. And I was I was thinking about Stoball this morning because we started talking about Job and then he started talking about cows and sheep. He said nobody's milking cows, nobody's shaving sheep. And I'm thinking, I have, because I told y'all my father made me go to that program out at the zoo. I'm 10, 11 years old, catching the bus way out to the zoo. It's it's foggy, it's cold. The program was called Farm Hands. So I have shaved many sheep. It's a little city boy tucked back in the cuts of of the San Francisco Zoo, shaving sheep, milking cows. I'm like, Daddy, what's going on? Why do you have me doing this? like you just a city boy you need to know some other stuff I don't think I ever successfully milked the cow but I did get slapped across the face by the by the tail of the cow doing it incorrectly but again when I when I see stuff online and people are shaving the sheet I'm like yep I've, I've been there I've, I've done that I have that experience getting the eggs from the chickens yeah a program called Farm Hands. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Ezekiel, Ezekiel 22, uh, verse verses 29 <laughs> through 31. It was cold out there too. Ezekiel 22, 29 through 31. As this chapter ends, Ezekiel pens these words this way as it was given to him by God. The people of the land have practiced extortion. The people of the land have practiced extortion. and committed robbery. They have oppressed the poor and the needy, and have extorted from the sojourner, the stranger, or the traveler, without justice. God says to Ezekiel, and I sought for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the breach or stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it. God tells Ezekiel, but I found none. Therefore, I have poured out my indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. I have returned their way upon their heads, declares the Lord God. We're just going to keep the theme that we've been working with as we are looking at chapter 22 in this dynamic book of Ezekiel, operating in the sovereign will and power of God, spiritual resurrection and life resuscitation. Operating in the sovereign will and power of God, spiritual resurrection and life resuscitation. When we are discussing those dynamics, spiritual resurrection and life resuscitation, that's exactly what was being pointed out here in Ezekiel chapter 22. We've already discussed the kind of ministry in which Ezekiel was given. The fact that the people of God, the house of God was so far gone from the ethos and the motif of God. That God sent prophet Ezekiel, priest Ezekiel as their prophet and man of God that would act out behaviors to get their attention. God had a judgment for the princes. God had a judgment for the prophets. God had a judgment for the counselors. God had a judgment for the the elders. God had a judgment for all of the officials. And he was using prophet Ezekiel to get his message across. Some verbally, but for the most part, just by way of acting things, acting things out. As we find ourselves here in Ezekiel chapter 22, things have for the most part hit their lowest point. And it's in this regard to where we really should be able to understand and appreciate and celebrate what it means to be a Christian and what it means to honor the Son of God, the Messiah the Christ and what he did because without Jesus, without the Son of God we have no salvation. We have no deliverance. Ezekiel chapter 22 is an illustration and a picture of the people of God at their lowest and as we just read in terms of these brief passages God says he looks to Ezekiel to find a man that could stand in the gap a man that that could fill in because The walls of Jerusalem and and the stability of the house of God, it was all a wreck. And so God is just looking for someone that could stand before the people and bring back a formation of righteousness. God says he didn't see anyone. That amongst all of the people, There was no one there that that could stand up and and speak a word and not just speak a word, but speak a word of influence so that the people would repent. Perhaps Ezekiel would stand there and say, but God, I'm I'm standing in the gap right now. I I know Ezekiel, but they don't listen to you. Perhaps Jeremiah is screaming out, what do you mean, God? They're they're doing all of this stuff to me. I'm standing in the gap right now. I know, prophet Jeremiah, but they don't listen to you. I was looking around to see if if there was a person uh, alive that could speak a word, that could share a word that my people would actually listen to and then ultimately repent of their wicked ways. God says, I found no one. It kind of puts us in mind of remember there in the book of Revelation, whatever chapter when they were in absolute disarray in the heavenly realm because there was no one there that could open the scroll. There was no one there that could open the seventh seal, if I'm not mistaken. But then they found uh, the lion. They found uh, the son of God. They found the Christ. They found the Messiah. And only the Messiah was the one in the heavenly realm that could open and loose the seventh seal. Well, here God found the man that was able to stand in the gap. We don't give Jesus Christ enough credit. He is the one that ultimately stood in the gap because nobody else could do it. Nobody else could bring about deliverance. Nobody else could bring about emancipation. Nobody else could bring about freedom. Nobody else could bring about liberation. But Jesus Christ was the one that could stand in the gap. So every time we convened, every time we are together, it is to be about a celebration because none of us could stand in the gap. None of us can share a word that was influential enough to change the hearts and the minds of people. But the son of God, Amen. the son of God is the one. We talked about this even last week. It's just a, a, a brief a brief commercial, perhaps, but you know, even in the story with, with, with the prodigal or, or or the or the lost son, the, the, the biggest mishap in that story is that the the not the lost son, well actually there was two lost sons, but but the son that had not left the house, the problem was he misunderstood, and we already had this conversation before, but he misunderstood the purpose of the celebration. He, he misunderstood uh, 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 the main figure of the celebration. The 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 the. the is looking at his little brother and he's thinking to his father, well, I've been here all of this time. How come you've never thrown me a party like this? Why are you throwing my little brother a party like this? Failing to understand that this party is not your party. This party is not your brother's party. This party is my party. I'm the one that's celebrating that my son was lost and now he's found, so I'm throwing the party. You and your brother are guests at my celebration, but you're looking at the wrong person. You've misunderstood the whole process. So sometimes when we come to the celebration of God, we are looking at each other, wondering why this person has that, why that person got this when God is saying, hold on for a minute, you are at my celebration. You are at my praise service. Quit looking at another human being and getting caught up in what you see them doing or what you think they have uh, 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 an opportunity to gravitate towards. God says, I'm inviting you to my celebration. He says, I'm the father. This party is about me. It was my son that was lost. And now he's found. So I'm celebrating. And yes, I gave him the robe. Yes, I killed the fatted calf. But this is my party. This is my celebration. But we get it mixed up. So again, there was no one to stand. There was no one to stand in the gap. The Bible talks to us because what was going on here in Ezekiel 22, which also has a parallel To Ezekiel chapter one, God willing, we'll be able to get to that. I don't know how we're supposed to do 3 p.m. service and the Kona ice, but we'll just see how all of that, all of that breaks down. But just understand that Ezekiel 22 and Ezekiel or Ezekiel 22 and Isaiah 1 are uniquely linked together. Because here in Ezekiel 22, what was being offered was defiled what they were offering up to God and what they were doing in the name of God or thought they were doing in the name of God, God says it's it's, it's no good. It's not pure. It's it's not from from a holy place. He says the worship practices and offerings to God, they became idolatrous. Whatever they were doing, it had become self-serving. They had lost the object that the worship was directed to. And now they were just doing things for the sake of doing them. But it was really about their own, their own bellies and their own hearts. In addition to murder and extortion, when God is talking to them about all of the the, the blood that's being spilled, it was also connected to not just murder, but also the the, the impure sacrifices that they were offering. God says the same thing in Isaiah chapter 1. Like you're you're, you're offering all of these sacrifices to me. You're you're killing all of these animals, but it's not a sweet aroma being offered unto me because your hearts aren't right. right. And God is sitting there saying, is there is there someone that can stand in the gap and bring the house of God back to a rightful place? The house of God became the true the true picture of. Of what it means for someone to stand in need of deliverance. At the time we get to the end of Ezekiel chapter 22. There's nothing but despair. There's no one that can fix the situation from an earthly perspective. And so therefore it is pointing to Jesus Christ. It is pointing to the Messiah. It is pointing to the son of God. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 1 or Ezekiel chapter 22 verse 1. Just quickly here. Understand that the glory, the glory of God had already left the temple. The prophets aren't doing what they're supposed to do. The priests aren't doing what they're supposed to do. The temple back at Jerusalem has been destroyed. Jerusalem has no protection. Jerusalem has no fortification. And again, let me just say this one more time. And the glory of God has left. The glory of God is no longer with the people of God. And we do not see that glory return until Jesus Christ is born. And now the glory of God is back back on the scene. Verse number 1, Ezekiel 22. And the word of the Lord came to me saying... And you, son of man, will you judge? Will you judge the bloody city? It's full of blood. It's full of blood because of murder. It is also full of blood because of sacrifices. So in other words, if someone does not have a clear understanding of what's going on and the contextual framework of the people of God, it would look like a whole lot of praise is happening. Because there's a whole lot of sacrifice happening but see God is looking at not just the sacrifice God is looking at the behavior connected to the people that are offering the sacrifices he's saying your 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 blood from these sacrifices is no different than the blood connected to those that are being murdered that that, that your sacrifices to me doesn't look like worship and praise your sacrifices to me look like murder What you are supposed to be offering as worship, I view it as you just engaging in another form of murder because it has nothing to do with you trying to honor me. You are trying to honor yourself. He says, so the city is full of blood. Some people being killed, but then all of these animals, all of these goats, all of these, all of these pigeons, all, all of these donkeys, all of these things that are being killed. All I just see is blood, but this is blood that has been shed, but it's blood that's shed and it's unrighteous blood that's shed. It says in verse 3, you shall say, thus says the Lord God, a city that sheds blood. In her midst so that her time may come and that and that makes idols to defile herself. He says in verse four, you have become guilty. Guilty how? By the blood that you have shed. Well, they're thinking. I gain forgiveness by blood. I I gain I gain forgiveness by 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 sacrificing animals and and shedding the blood. But God says, no, you become guilty. It be, because your heart is not right, you. I, I think I'm walking into the house of God to praise, but 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 my heart's not right. No, I'm indicting myself. Say that.
1: I'm not. I'm not offering God
0: praise. It's based upon what's going on with my heart. A city that sheds blood in her midst, so that our time may come. And that makes idols to defile herself. He's screaming this out. You have become guilty by the blood that you have shed and defiled by the idols that you have made and you have brought, you have brought your days near. The appointed time of your years has come. Therefore, I have made you a reproach to the nations and, and a mockery to all the countries. Those who are near and those who are far from you will mock you. Your name is defiled. You are full of tumult. He says, beginning in verse six, behold, the princes; These are the individuals that have royal connection. They have a royal connectivity to the people, to the people of God. He says, the princes of Israel in you, everyone, according to his power, have been bent on shedding blood. Father and mother are treated with contempt in you. The sojourner suffers extortion in your midst. The fatherless and the widow are wronged in you. He says the people have flipped themselves upside down in that which is to be righteous. You are now engaging in that which is nothing more than unrighteousness. He says you don't follow. You don't follow the the, the Sabbaths. He says again in verse 9, there are men who who slander to shed blood, who slander to shed blood. And people in you who eat on the mountains, they they commit lewdness in, in, in your midst. And you men uncover their father's nakedness. Verse 11, I can't even read all of the other stuff. Verse 11, one commits abomination with his neighbor's wife. Another lewdly defiles his daughter-in-law. Another in you violates his sister, his father's daughter. In you, they, they, they take bribes to shed blood. You uh, 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 take interest and profit and make gain of, of your neighbors and make gain of your neighbors by extortion. But me, you have forgotten, declares the Lord God. They were at their lowest point. And there was no one around that could stand in the gap. God is acknowledging The walls have collapsed and the walls or the portions of walls that are still standing. There's so many breaches and there's so many holes in the walls. Is there anyone that could stand there and help support the walls and also preach to the people? And there was no one that the people of God would listen to. So we said this last week and we'll probably have to say it again later, later this month, but. Ministry is not judged. Judged. Based upon results. It's great to have results you can see with your eyes and results you can count on your fingers or results you can count on a calculator. But the the true success of what it means to be a child of God is rooted in obedience a successful Christian is a faithful Christian. A successful preacher is a faithful preacher. A successful elder is an obedient elder. A successful Christian is one that follows after the will of God. We have far too many Christians that are walking around with with a psychological and spiritual identity crisis because they have based who they are in, in outcomes. And so since you haven't baptized anybody lately, since you didn't get that Bible class, since you didn't get that Bible class. You feel like you are less than a Christian should be, but God just wants to know, are you living obediently? Are you living faithfully? Because that is the acid test. We will never be able to control the outcome of the gospel. We will never be able to control the outcome of somebody giving their life to Christ or somebody repenting or somebody being renewed or somebody being regenerated. That is outside the scope of our ability and power, but at the end of the day, God wants to know Am I? what's in your heart Are you faithful to me are you Obedient to me are you striving To follow after me that's The essence of a successful child Of God So for 50 to 60 years nobody Listened Nobody listened to Isaiah Nobody wanted to hear What he had to say and some people uh, In these scholarly journals And books they will say well Isaiah had An unsuccessful ministry No, he had a very successful ministry because the whole time of his 50 to 60 year ministry, he was obedient to the call of his father. He was obedient to the great God of heaven. That means he was absolutely successful and flag on the play and foul on the play for all of those that chose not to listen. Ezekiel. Nobody listened. Jeremiah. Nobody listened. Jeremiah went home every night and cried. Jeremiah was was that weeping prophet that loved the people so much, every night he probably cried himself to sleep, wondering how come the people don't get it. Why don't the people understand? Why don't the people see God and understand God the way that I understand God? And and, and Jeremiah took this to heart. But then we have to be careful. That we don't become like Jonah. Because every Christian, every preacher, would like the ministry of Jonah. Come on now. (laughs) Once Jonah, well he never really got his mind right. But at least once Jonah got in position. And preached a word. Mm -hmm. Preached a word to the people of Nineveh the people listened all the people repented if it was today it would mean all the people were baptized oh successful ministry jonah preached the people confessed the people repented well why in the world is jonah under a tree contemplating suicide And asking God to take him out. Oh, from the outside in, he had great success. But because his heart was still plagued, although these people were coming to God, he could not get out of his own way. So success can also be deceitful. Success can look a certain way, but on the backdrop and on the back end, someone who looks to be having all of this success, they're full of arrogance. They're full of pride. No, you see the house growing. You see the house flowing. You see the house overflowing. But someone is sitting back feeling like I'm not getting enough credit. They're not calling my name enough. I see all of these people giving their life to Christ, but I need more attention. I need more praise. Y'all don't treat me well enough. Don't you see the work of God being successful? I don't care about that. You need to treat me a certain way. So again, Isaiah never said, God, well, wait. You know, what, what's, what's, what's up with the people? He just did the work. Ezekiel just did the work. Jeremiah just did the work. But here comes Jonah. Jonah does the work. And became depressed. Became depressed at success because Jonah wasn't really kingdom minded in the moment. He was more self-willed <laughs> and governed by himself. Let's let's pick up here verse verse 12. Verse 12, in you they take bribes to shed blood. You you take interest and profit and make gain of your neighbors by by extorting by but 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 me you have forgotten. Behold, I strike my hand at at the dishonest gain that you have made and at the blood that has been in your midst. Can your courage endure? Or can your hands be strong in the days that I shall deal with you? I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do it. I will scatter you among among the nations and disperse you through the countries we will be there shortly. And I'm, I'm almost, almost done. God tells them house of God, my people, you have become the dross. You've become the dross when they would take, and he doesn't even, he never really adds gold to this mix. But when he's talking about silver, lead, and bronze, precious metals but not the most precious metals, he says, you, Israel, are the dross. You've become dross. Dross was was the process when you would melt those precious metals. The dross is what would rise up to the top. And the dross would be what was the evidence of all of the impurities in those or that metal. So you went through this process of smelting so that the dross could rise to the top and then you could discard. All of the dross. Because if you want something that's pure, you don't want it mixed in with the dross. The dross gets thrown out. The dross gets burned up in a different compartment or container. But God is telling his own people, you have become the dross. You're not the precious metals. You're not the pure metal. You are actually the unusable portions the metal and you have to be thrown into the fire only Jesus Christ could redeem the people he he says to the priest you failed your job I don't know what those memes are you had one job (laughs) the primary mode of the priest is to help the people of God understand the difference between what's common, what's uncommon. Help them understand the difference. You can look at Leviticus 10, perhaps 10 and 11, perhaps what's common and what's uncommon. Also, what's clean and what's unclean. What's holy and what's common. Because when the people of God begin to slip into our own self-willed behaviors, we make And we take what is common and we try to make it holy. So now there's a anything goes philosophy. And let me just drop this in your spirit as well. We have a personal relationship with God. We do not have a private relationship with God. God does not have some private relationship with you that he does not have with other saints to where God just understands some of your whimsical ways or God just understands some of my whimsical ways because we have this little privatized side relationship and God excuses me from doing this and God excuse. No, we all have a personal relationship with God. None of us have a secret, private relationship with God. God does not make deals. God don't have a special people or a special person where he's made a deal on the side. All right, Ammar, I'll just let you continue to do that on the side. It'll just be between you and I. I don't know why this is coming up in my head, but perhaps we need to just drop this too. You know, like, like they tell children. You tell your children to be, be, be weary of any adults coming around trying to ask a child to keep a secret. That's a red flag. Hey, 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 don't tell your mom. Don't tell your dad. Know, if you're an adult, you don't, I don't care how funny it is. You don't have a secret with a child. You don't have no private relationship. Hey, only you and I know this. Amen, it's quiet now. Oh, only you and I know this detail. Only you and I know about that because that's how you start bringing someone in and how you start grooming somebody into something that's, that's inappropriate. You try to build up this private relationship. So some people are acting like they got a private relationship with God as if God understands you or God has a covenant, contractual relationship with you that he does not have with others. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful assuming that God understands some disobedience in your life. Or me assuming that God, because of my circumstances, God knows what I've gone through. God knows my history. God knows my background. Therefore, I'm sure based upon the grace and mercy of God, he excuses me because we have a private. No, you need to understand the difference between what's common and what's holy What's common and what's was, was uncommon and what's clean, and was un- this was the job of the priests. Just make sure the people know because every now and then we just have to be reminded. That, that's all preaching is. <laughs> preaching is that irritating continual reminder about making sure you don't confuse what's common with what's uncommon. Making sure you don't confuse what's clean with that which is unclean. Because if we are not careful, we begin to create our own situation of ethics. I don't want to keep saying it, but then it's as if we think we have a special or private relationship with God. Look, just drop to verse 17. 17 and, and, and the word of the Lord came to me, son of man. Son of man, the house of Israel has become dross to me. How many? All of them. All of them. If we were there, it would be us too. You don't got no private. Oh no, I I would have been the one standing (laughs) off to the side saying, Release Jesus. <laughs> Release him. What are you doing? Everybody was guilty. And if we were in that time, we would be guilty. How do you know? We're guilty right now. It's because of the effective. An energetic blood of Christ that we are able to make it because when God looks at us, he does not see us. He sees us covered by the blood of his son. If God saw me, I'm doomed. If God saw me, I can't be saved. But he does not see me. He sees the blood of Christ, the blood of his son covering me. Somebody else may need a different a different example. Any Anybody here? Whether current or in the past, anybody ever juiced? I'm talking about when you create your own. I'm talking about you go to uh, Whole Foods and get your cold press. No. I'm saying when you do it yourself. Now, 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 when you juice, whether you are juicing carrots, whether you are juicing vegetables, no matter what it is, when you're ju- juicing, uh, th- there's, there's some extra fiber that comes out. That's the dross. Now you might be able to use that for some fertilizer or something. But in in terms of your purpose and process of juicing, all of that stuff that gets tossed to the side and separated out of that process uh, uh, that becomes this drier form of fiber that's not liquefied, you end up throwing that out or putting that in the compost because that's not what you want out of this process. Let's just understand that would be considered the dross. So God said you are not the purity of this grape juice or the purity of this celery juice or the purity of these beets or the purity of this spinach. No, you are the dross. You are the part that nobody wants. You can't even dress that up and make it look good on a plate. Somebody's going to say, what's that? (laughs) I thought you said you was making carrot juice. (laughs) What's that? What's that fluffy stuff? The, dross. the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, house of Israel has become dross to me. All, all of them are bronze and, 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 and tin and iron and, 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 and lead in the furnace. They, they are, are dross of silver. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have all become dross. Therefore, behold, I will gather you into the midst of Jerusalem as one gathers silver and bronze and iron and lead and tin into a furnace to blow the fire on it, it uh, to blow the fire on it in order to, to melt it. So I will gather you in my anger, in my anger and in my wrath and I will put you, uh, I will put you in and melt you. This is setting the stage for the Messiah. They, they can't return from this. All the great work of Ezra, all the great work of of Nehemiah, they can't return from this. They need, we need a savior. So when we convene together, it should always be about the celebration that we have been saved by a savior, that we have come in contact with the Messiah. And it's not your celebration. It's not my celebration. We get to join in with God and his Godhead because he is the one that is in celebration. When Jesus was able to open that seventh seal, in the heavenly realm they broke out in celebration they broke out in praise and we just get to join God in that praise but you know sometimes as people we are extremely selfish and it's really more about us than it is about God verse verse 26 as we move verse 26 her priests have done violence Violence to my law. The ones designed to carry out the law have done violence to the law. Done violence to my law and have profaned my holy things. They've made no distinction between the holy and the common. There has to be some stuff we just won't do. There has to be some, there has to be a limit to how far we will go. Again, remember God told Ezekiel, walk into the temple, dig a hole through that wall, and he found elders performing like a secret society steeped in idolatry. They had taken what was uncommon And made it common. They had taken the house of God. And as Jesus talked about during his ministry. They had taken the house of God. And turned it into a den of thieves. They had taken the house of God. And turned it into a place of illicit sexual activity. And all kinds of extortion. Right in the house of God. Mm. The violence in my law profane my holy things. They've made no distinction. How do you, how do I, how do you make distinction between the holy and the common? Is that a concern of yours? The child of God always has to be concerned about, about how we comport ourselves to make sure we are not confusing the common with the holy. And the world should be able to understand and see distinctively our holiness. Not our commonness. But the world should be able to understand our holiness and our ability to engage with God from an uncommon perspective. That's what it means to be spiritual. Spiritual, the word pneumatico, simply means to be supernatural. If there's nothing supernatural about my behavior. And I'm common just like everybody else. Oh, right. Christians are not designed. We, we have not been transformed. We have not been transfigured. We have not been washed. We have not been regenerated. We have not been reconciled. We have not been restored to be common. Right. To just fit in and look like and behave like everybody else. Right. 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 God saved us so that we can be the salt of the earth. Yeah. The light of the world. Said they they've made no distinction between the holy and the common neither have they taught the difference between the unclean and the clean they have disregarded my sabbaths so that I am profaned among them says her princes in her midst are like wolves tearing the prey, shedding Blood, destroying lives to get what dishonest gain. Her prophets, her prophets have smeared whitewash. We talked about that in chapter 13, but it's back. The prophets have smeared whitewash. Whitewash for them, just meaning that you see the house of God is in a bad place. The house of God is not doing so well. But the prophets are trying to, trying to paint a picture of bliss. Yeah. Oh, everything's fine. Yeah. God has it under control. God does, but you don't. Right. God definitely has everything under control. But do the people of God have what they have under their stewardship grasp? Do we have what needs to be under control? Under control. Yeah. They smeared whitewash. For them seeing false visions and divining lies. For them, saying, Thus says the Lord God, when when the Lord has not spoken, the people of the land have practiced extortion, committed robbery, they've oppressed the poor and needy, have extorted from the the sojourner, as it talks about in verses 6 and 7, without justice. We're closing. God says, I sought for a man. I sought for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the breach before me for the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none. How are you standing on the wall? How are you standing in the gap? How are you dealing with the breaches in the wall? Do you just say, oh, that's somebody else's responsibility? I see it, but not for me to deal with. I see it, but I'm sure somebody else will take care of that. Yeah. Just like with the compassionate Samaritan, right? Everybody walking by, well, I'm sure the next person. Well, I'm sure the next person. Well, I'm sure the next person. person. There was trauma, there was pain. We've said this before. As you just turn to John 10 quickly. People in the first century, they could not handle. The image of a cross connected to worship. First century Christians had as their symbolic religious imagery. The grapevine, vines, fish, or the symbolic image of the good shepherd. That's what they look to. That's the medallion you might see. That's what you would see hanging on the wall. Images of the grapevines, because Jesus, I am the vine, you are the branches. You might see vines. You might see fish. Or you might see the image of the Good Shepherd walking with the sheep on his shoulders. John 10, verse 11, and we're done. Ezekiel 22. Highlights our deprivation, but then points to the salvation that could only come through the Son of God. Ezekiel gets another glimpse of that salvation when Ezekiel 37 and those dry bones are depicted. We are those dry bones coming together in the kingdom of God, in the church of our Lord. It was a prophetic vision of what the restored people of God would look like. A destitute people, a deprived people, a people that could not find their own way, but now being brought back together by the prophetic power of God. That's the church. That never happened to Israel. Israel never came back together in such a magnificent way but through the body of Christ and the work of Christ on the cross and his resurrection early that Sunday morning the body of Christ was built and established and we congealed and we still come together. So in our place of destitution while we are trying to operate in the sovereign will and power of god under spiritual resurrection and life resuscitation jesus says in john 10:11 i am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep there was no one else To stand in the gap. No other man, no other woman could stand in the gap the way you and I needed. And Jesus depicts here in this good shepherd story and sermon and parable in John chapter 10. He lets us know he lays down his life. He stands in the gap he stood in the gap depicting this notion of the sheep and the sheepfold and that what the good shepherd would do with the sheepfold is lay down right at the door of the sheepfold because the notion was if any wolf Or wolves are going to get to my sheep. It will be over my dead body. That's where that comes from. That's shepherd language. That's pastor language. That's bishop prick language. That the pastor and the shepherd is acknowledging these sheep are under my care. They're under my protection, and whether there's a door here or not, the only way someone is getting to my sheep is if they try to cross over my dead body. So they did all that they could to kill Jesus. They thought they made it over his dead body. They thought they killed him once and for all and the sheep were now fair game Jesus is off the scene. The people have no further protection. Jesus is off the scene. They have no fortification. Jesus is off the scene. There's no one to stand in the gap. Jesus is off the scene. The wall is full of holes. The wall is full of breaches. The gates are burned down and there's no one that will be able to rescue them. There's no one that will be able to save them. There's no one that will be able to deliver them. But then by the power of God, only one Sunday morning over my dead body will you get to my people. Jesus Christ as the good shepherd. Forty days later, Apostle Peter is preaching the first keynote sermon. Preaching a spiritual church into a physical reality. Three thousand people being added to the body. Added to the 12 that already made up the body. And now the church is 3,012 members strong. And from that very point, God has just been adding two. Because Jesus saw how destitute we were. Stand to your feet. And he said, the only way, the only way you get to my people is over my dead body. And they tried to kill Jesus. They weren't successful. He won't be crucified again. If you need Jesus to be crucified again, you missed the whole. If you need evidence of of the crucifix all over again so that you can see it, you've already missed it. There might be someone here right now. Ezekiel 22 shows us how destitute we were. And then John 10 helps us understand that we've been saved by the good shepherd. We've been rescued by the good shepherd. Are you willing to allow the good shepherd to find you out in a place of being lost, out in a place in the wilderness where you can't find your way back? Are you willing to allow the good shepherd to pick you up, put you on his shoulders, and walk you back to safety the image is not the sheep while the good shepherd is bringing it back it's kicking and screaming as the late Kenneth E Bailey sound a lost sheep wants to be found so when the good shepherd when Jesus is bringing back that sheep there's no agitation there's relaxation Because I'm with the shepherd. We talked all already about Psalm 23. and The the rod and staff provide comfort. The rod was never for the sheep. The rod gave the sheep comfort that when the bear ran up, the shepherd was strapped enough. What well, wasn't for the wolf? What well, wasn't for the sheep? It was for the bear. It was for the wolf. Yep. Yep. So the sheep took great comfort knowing, Look at, look at my shepherd. Yep. Yep. Got a staff in case I fall in the ditch, he can pull me out. Yeah, yeah. And got a rod in case the bear runs up, he's going to catch the beat down. You yeah. right. don't have to worry. Yeah. That's why Jesus is here for you. He doesn't yeah. want you to worry. He knows you will, and he'll take care of that too. But it's up to you. The the, the word has been preached. Jesus Christ has already died. He's already been resurrected. He's sitting at the right hand of his father, but he's still waiting on more to come into his kingdom. And today he's calling you if you have not already responded to his call. It's up to you to hear that word, that word that Jesus Christ is the son of God. It's up to you not just to hear it, though, but you have to believe it. You have to live by it. Repent of your past sinful ways. That's a a serious process of acknowledging. I wish we had time to deal with that. We go over repentance so quickly. There's nothing whimsical and there's nothing arbitrary about repentance. Repentance is hardcore stuff repentance is beyond arrogance repentance is beyond pride repentance is a strip down of yourself where you have to say to God I'm no longer engaging in those illicit sexual behaviors I'm no longer getting drunk I'm no longer smoking those blunts and those are just some easy ones right I'm no longer, it is an itemized list of what you and I are willing to tell God, I'm done it's not cute it's not cute It's not some general prayer, God, I don't know what I'm guilty of, but please just forgive me. Oh, come on now. We got a tailor-made list of how we get down. And your sin, that that which so easily besets you, might not be what so easily besets me. But everybody has some stuff. Y'all looking strange. So the person that's coming to Christ acknowledges, I'm not living that way anymore. I'm willing to confess that Jesus Christ is the son of God I'm willing to be baptized for the remission of my sins coming up a new creation In Christ now being endowed with the gift of the Holy Spirit and I can walk and live in newness of life, supported by, guided by, counseled by the Holy Spirit of God, which is the personality of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ said, when I go back to the heavenly realm, I'm going to send you down a comforter that will live with you. It will basically be me living inside of you. I will never leave you alone. I will never leave you comfortless. Jesus will never leave us. There might be someone here that's not a member, that, that is a member. I don't know. Perhaps you've let some things slip. You confuse what's common with that which is uncommon. You confuse what's clean with what's unclean. And you've been living that way, but today is the day you can get that right. There's someone here that needs to be baptized. You can start walking down front. There's someone here that needs prayer. You can start walking down front. Together we sing the song of encouragement.